Hospitals are critical in any disaster. How are our community hospitals preparing for these disasters? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. And with me is Dr. J. Patrick O'Neill, Director of Preparedness for the Georgia Division of Public Health. Dr. O'Neill and I are discussing hospital community preparedness in Georgia. Dr. O'Neill, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Bloom. It's a pleasure to be with you. So describe for us how the Director of Preparedness is involved in public health in Georgia, especially in relation to community hospital preparedness. Dr. Bloom, the Director of Preparedness in the Georgia Division of Public Health has a host of responsibilities, but I think you've actually hit upon one of the most important, and that's what our activities are in terms of helping the hospital community to be better prepared to deal with disasters. Our office essentially oversees two major grants that fund preparedness efforts uh, throughout the country. Our office does those for the state of Georgia, obviously, only. The grant that is involved with hospital preparedness is referred to by the acronym ASPR, A-S-P-R, Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, and that's a federal agency under HHS that is involved with preparing acute care hospitals, EMS services, 330 community health centers, poison centers, and now long-term care facilities, and being better prepared to deal with any number of different types of disasters. And our office essentially is charged with trying to see that the federal funding that Georgia gets for that preparation effort is pushed down to the local level in the most effective manner possible. Working with each of those five entities that I just mentioned to be sure that they are planning their preparedness efforts and that we in public health are supporting that planning activity as well as, in some instances, we in public health, using the federal money, are purchasing supplies that may be necessary for a response should they have to respond to any type of major catastrophe. Let's talk about each one of those components. Let's start with hospitals. So what are you doing with hospital preparedness in Georgia? In Georgia, we have approximately 150 acute care hospitals, and our activities with the hospitals has been extremely well done, I think, based on having a tremendously positive relationship with the Georgia Hospital Association. The Georgia Hospital Association has essentially been our partner in this preparedness effort and has essentially opened the door for us getting into the acute care hospitals in a very effective way. Probably the the first thing that was accomplished was, in my mind, very amazing. We prepared Oh, I think it ended up being about a 47-page document, which essentially was a document to assess readiness of the hospitals to respond to initially a biological, chemical, uh, and eventually all hazards type of disaster. I'm very pleased to say that Georgia was probably one of the few large states a reasonably large state, where there was 100% compliance with every single one of our hospitals going through that self-assessment process. And we were faulted in the beginning because it, it took quite a bit of time to do the assessment and to analyze the assessment. But 
long term, I think it was really valuable because by the time that we were ready to start to push money down to buy whatever was necessary to improve preparedness, we really had a very good baseline of what the hospitals already had versus what the hospitals needed to be prepared. And we pushed the money down according to the input that the hospitals had given us in that self-assessment. So I think effectively we identified the goals that we felt that hospitals should have for preparedness, and then we allowed the hospitals to use the federal money to purchase the items where they had shortfalls. And in so doing, I think Georgia's hospitals have probably become better prepared than hospitals in many states because of having done such a careful and, I think, well-designed assessment in the beginning. Did you do the same kind of thing with the EMS services? We did. We did the same type of assessment with EMS, also with the 330 Community Health Centers, as well as with the Poison Center. And based on need, we started trying to fill the gaps. What are 330 Community Centers? These are federally funded neighborhood health delivery centers. They vary fairly markedly in the degree of expertise that they offer throughout the state, but they provide a tremendous asset in areas that would be underserved with providers otherwise. You said you did an assessment of those that are similar to what you did with the hospitals? Right, in terms of what they had on hand that would allow them to respond to any type of disaster situation. And you mentioned long-term care facilities. How recently have they been added to this list of important facilities in the state? Actually, just this last year have they been considered part of the community health organizations that could receive the federal funding through the ASPR grant. We've been working with them indirectly uh, for many, many years but we had not been able to actually provide any of the grant funding for those efforts until this last year. And there has been, I think, a growing concern and awareness that a lot of the emergency planning for the long-term care facilities had been in the past done in a silo fashion, such that, let's say, a given nursing home may have in its plan that EMS Service X was going to respond to assist in the evacuation of bedridden patients out of the nursing home should there have to be an evacuation. This might have been done without an awareness that that particular same EMS service was being listed by five other nursing homes as the primary source of evacuating their patients too. And if there were a massive disaster like a hurricane or a flood where all of the nursing homes might have to evacuate in a given area, that one EMS resource obviously would not be sufficient for carrying through the evacuation in a timely manner. So part of our effort now is to change that silo planning to regional planning so that the plans basically are transparent throughout the area and that we know that the resources that are listed for a given site are going to be available for that particular site. What would you say are the greatest accomplishments in Georgia in dealing with hospital preparedness? I think probably the most impressive accomplishment, at least in my mind, is the identification of the number of surge beds that we have identified in Georgia. We were originally asked through our grant guidance 
to come up with 20% uh, of our routine number of staffed licensed beds as surge beds. Well, we basically in Georgia have 16,000 licensed and staffed hospital beds, 23,000 licensed, 16,000 of which are actually staffed. So if we were going to uh, to do 20% of that, uh, we would basically have to have uh, close to 4,000 surge beds. We were fortunate in working with the hospitals. We've actually identified 14,000 surge beds or spaces where surge beds could be placed. And we've used grant funding to buy portable beds that we hold in caches that can be put into hospitals uh, in a very short period of time to occupy those spaces that have been identified as having surge capacity. We've also given money to the hospitals to do what needed to be done to convert some of those spaces that are not clinically usable right now into clinical spaces. For example, the purchase of portable oxygen, purchase of portable suction devices, IV poles and so forth, such that an area that might currently not be a clinical area could very quickly become a clinical area with our portable beds should the need arise. We now basically have almost as many surge beds as we have actual staffed licensed beds in Georgia. What would you do with the staffing requirements if a surge like that was required? That's the most difficult part. And what we are doing is developing response teams in our regional coordinating hospitals. We basically have devised a mutual aid concept among hospitals in the state. We've identified 13 larger hospitals that function as regional coordinating hospitals. And in those hospitals, we are developing response teams, hospital response teams, that on very short notice can essentially be positioned outside of their particular hospital to go to other areas within their network to provide staffing. Now, all of that will work fine for disasters that are geographically contained. What it does not address, though, is the type of disaster we're expecting with pandemic, where everybody is going to be impacted. Uh, We're not going to be able to pull resources from one area to another once a pandemic is full-fledged because every area will be under siege. And in that situation, we're basically preparing for the fact that our standards are not going to be able to be held to the same level. We're not going to have the nurse-patient ratio during a pandemic that we have during normal times. What role does the private physician play in staffing up for something like a pandemic? I think the the role of the private physician is going to be just as varied as it is in normal times. There are still going to be the need for physicians that take care of the really sick patients in the hospital, the critical care patients that are hospitalized during the pandemic. But there's also going to be an important role for the physicians who do outpatient care. And essentially, we've produced a provider kit for outpatient physicians to help them essentially figure out how they might be able to convert their office setting into what's very similar to an urgent care center. What we want to do is to allow those outpatient physicians to take as much of a burden off of the hospitals as possible, since we know the hospitals are going to be so overwhelmed. If we can do rehydration in some of the outpatient providers' offices, for example, and keep patients from becoming so sick that they have to be hospitalized, 
we feel that that will be an important role for them during the pandemic. When disaster strikes, there's always injured. They're taken to community hospitals. How do these community hospitals prepare? I want to thank our guest, Dr. J. Patrick O'Neill, Director of Preparedness for the State of Georgia Division of Public Health, for giving us some insight into hospital preparedness. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.